Nearly a decade ago, I found myself filling the hours by listening to podcasts while my husband, Brooks, was training with the U.S. Army. Walking the streets of our Army post, I dreamt of creating something for women that bridged that gap between sermon audio and small talk. It was on the floor of my tiny closet on post that that very dream, the Dream for the Journey Women podcast, came to fruition in June of 2017. And today, by God's grace, Journey Women is now a not-for-profit ministry with the aim of moving women to know and love God more. Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Journey Women. Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Belis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. On today's episode of the Journey Women Podcast, I brought back one of your all-time favorite guests and mine too, Matt Lance. We talked about fear and what happens when our fear is misplaced. I shared my own struggle with the fear of man and per usual, Matt blew my mind. Like when he said this. I am reminded when I am afraid of something that I am not God. I don't command really anything. And I'm mortal. I can die. I can be hurt. I think God gave us the emotion of fear because he's the only one worthy of it. Matt also shares how we can help one another out by reminding each other of the only one who is worthy of our fear. We fear God because he's good. He commands all things and that he is commanding things for our good too, and that he can even do that at our request. And now on to my conversation with Matt Lance. For those who don't know, you are like my former mentor and you were on the Journey Women podcast way back at episode 18. And I think now we're going to be like close to 50 when this airs. Wow. It's really crazy to think about. That's pretty amazing. You know, this isn't some flash in the pan, Hunter. You're ministering to a lot of a lot of people. And uh, every time I hear somebody talk about your podcast, they always rave about it. So you're doing a great job. Oh, thank you. I can't believe it's been this long. And in all of those episodes, I believe episode 18 is one of our most popular. So we oh, had good. to have you back. We talked about the theology of identity. So if somebody hasn't listened to that episode, go back, listen to that. It's foundational. That's why we had it closer to the beginning. You lanced me a couple times, and I'm sure that's <laughs> going to happen again today. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. I don't want to embarrass you or anybody else. So. <laughs> For those who don't know Matt, him, his last name is Lance. And so when we were a part of a discipleship program, we used to joke around with each other when he would kind of, you know, rebuke with the tough love and we would say, oh man, you got lanced. It became a verb. Yeah, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to live that down. (laughs) I have, you know, since starting the podcast, to be honest, just been on this journey of really struggling with fear, struggling with fear of man, struggling with all different kinds of things. So when we were talking about topics, the topic of fear came to mind. And I'm excited for the Journey Women listeners to get to hear from you in that capacity today. It's funny because I've noticed, Matt, on Instagram, and that's where I frequently hang out on like social media, okay. fear is kind of a popular topic right now, just in general. And mm, okay. 
You know, I recently saw this Instagram quote when I was scrolling that said, daughter, fear is a liar, asterisk, God. Hmm. And I'm so intrigued to hear your thoughts. This post got like 2,000 likes, so it must be true, right? Oh, wow. Uh, (laughs) Well, that's a great question. Fear is a liar. Yeah. And quoting God. Yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds good. They probably put on a nice looking Instagram post too, I'm sure. One of the uh, letter boards. (laughs) Of course. Oh, yes. Those are in vogue now too, aren't they? (laughs) Yeah. Is it true? You know, the scriptures talk a lot about, they give us a command or they give uh, the characters in the stories the command, do not fear. Right. But I don't see the scriptures really like demonizing fear as if it's some, like another enemy that we need to resist. Yeah. Really, the only thing that, I'm going to check myself before I say this, the only thing that the Bible explicitly calls a liar is Satan. He's a liar, not fear, but um, he will certainly use your fears to persuade you to mistrust your God. So is it true? Uh, I, I don't think I would have put it that way, but... I understand the sentiment, but I would say really Satan's the liar, not not fear. Yes, I, I agree with that. And I don't know why it just stood out to me. Hmm. I think actually it was because I was studying something in scripture. Uh-huh. Like, you know, you see the verses in Proverbs 1, for example, where it's saying the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. But then you also see those verses, like you said, do not fear do not be dismayed for I am your God. Or you see the one in first Peter, the book that we studied together mm-hmm. where it says you are Sarah's children. If you do good and don't fear anything that's frightening. So is there like a distinction between different types of fear? Gosh, I wish there was, you know, I've, I've done some, I've done some looking around on this in my own personal study and I'm not, I'm not a, a language scholar. Hebrew and Greek were not my specialties, but in the things that I've studied, there are a few different words for fear in Hebrew and a few different words for fear in, in Greek, but our translations are pretty good. And from what, I, what I've what i read and understand, fear kind of means fear. Hmm. I wish it was something like, you know, the Greek words for love and you've got like oh, three or four yes. different options. That, that would, would make it so easy. much better, right? <laughs> but it, you're right. I think it's a really good way of putting it. There are passages uh, that make it a little bit confusing sometimes because you know, on the one hand, it says, fear the Lord. And on the other hand, it says, do not fear. Do not yeah. be dismayed. I am the Lord your God. I will be with you. Don't be afraid. So that that is a little bit confusing. But from what I've studied, I, I don't really see that big of a difference between the words that are used. Yeah. And we know that scripture doesn't contradict itself. So is all mm-hmm. fear like bad or can it be neutral? Could it actually be good? Do you have some way of like helping us define it? That's the million dollar question right there. Is fear bad? Um, Let me say it this way. Fear isn't a moral issue. Mm. I don't really think it's good or bad in that sense. However, it can be misplaced. And that, when our fear is misplaced, Mm. that can create moral issues for us. Right. When we're willing to justify behaviors that we otherwise might not have justified had we not been afraid. Yeah. Probably if I explain my definition, I'll make this a little bit easier. Okay, yes. My definition for fear is two parts. The first part 
is that fear is an emotional response to circumstances that we cannot control uh-huh. and that we perceive will do us harm. So it's an emotion, first of all. It's a, a response to a stimulus, so it's an emotional response. And then usually it's about something that is outside of our control, and we think that whatever that is is going to harm us in some way. So, mm-hmm. for example, like you're sitting there in your you know million-dollar recording studio. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, feeling pretty safe right now, Matt. It's a two Hoping by two. your children don't come in and invade you while you're recording. <laughs> I do have Brooks's backup downstairs. Okay. Well, there, that's a good backup right there. <laughs> totally. So, so let's say, you know, you're sitting there uh, in your closet, you're recording the, the podcast and a cockroach comes in. Okay. All right. Now you're getting personal. Okay. Are you, are you going to go like, it's just in the middle of the podcast, just run out of the room, screaming for your life, afraid that you're going to die. <laughs> Uh, I would consider it, though I have done some strange things in this closet to keep the podcast going. I'm sure you have. <laughs> Most of us, like if we see a spider, if we see a cockroach, I mean, it, it, it may create us a little bit of fear, but we really don't feel fearful for our lives or that it's really going to do us harm. <laughs> you you might think differently if you saw me react to a cockroach. <laughs> <laughs> Fort Hood did some terrible things. They flew. Okay, how about this? How about this? A koala bear comes into your... <laughs> okay, there we go. Yeah, that would not be they so scary. Be, they can be aggressive, actually. Really? Okay. But the idea is, like, with a cockroach or a spider or whatever, something like that comes right. in, you can squish it. Totally. You can manage the situation. Now, I have a bunch of shoes behind my head right now. Absolutely. You can control the situation. So while you may be startled... Uh-huh. Because you can control or because you perceive that you can control the situation, you yeah. don't really experience fear and you don't really find yourself wringing your hands or fearing for your life in right. that moment. But if you're sitting in there and all of a sudden, you know, a bear that hasn't eaten for nine months breaks down the door and comes in. Mm-hmm. You're going to experience fear because this is now a circumstance that is beyond your control. You perceive it's going to do you harm. And I would say not only are you going to be afraid, but in that moment, you're also almost simultaneously looking for, can I say, salvation Mm. that circumstance. Yeah. And that's the second part of my definition. So if the first part is that fear is an emotional response to circumstances that we cannot control and perceive will do us harm, the second part is that that emotional response always sends us looking for a savior. Hmm. Sends us looking for something that we believe is bigger or stronger or otherwise able to subdue or get rid of whatever it is that's causing us fear. So the best way I illustrate this is in Mark chapter four. Mm. This is the story of Jesus calming the storm, right? So, Yes. They're going across the lake, which fishermen never do, by the way. They always stay one or 200 yards from shore. They never go all the way across the middle of the lake. So it's very unusual for the fishermen to be in this position. Jesus is asleep, and this windstorm comes up and starts. It freaks out the disciples so much so that they, they try to wake up Jesus because they think they're about to die. Yeah. I mean, there's so many crazy things going on in the story. How could you sleep through that? 
Yeah, there, how can he sleep with that? He's got to be soaking wet because the boat's filling up with water. So he's asleep, he's soaking wet, and they can't wake him up. So that's interesting. Yes. But what's crazy to me is the point in time when the disciples are the most afraid in the story. And when you read, especially when you read the text in Mark 4, it says that they were afraid that they were going, don't you care that we're about to die? They were very afraid. But Jesus wakes up, he rebukes the wind and the waves, and then the text says, and the disciples were greatly afraid. Hmm. So in that story, the point in time where the disciples are the most afraid is when the sea is calm. And here's where I think this really helps us uh, as we think about fear, maybe theologically or from a belief standpoint. The disciples had a rational fear of death. I mean, that's, right. that's understandable, except for the fact that Jesus is asleep in the same boat with them, <laughs> and he commands the wind and the waves. And so in that sense, it is an irrational fear right. of sorts. When, and then when they come to realize that who they have in the boat with them hmm. is bigger and stronger and more powerful that even the wind and the waves obey him, they are afraid of him. Their fear was misplaced. Hmm. It was in the wind and the waves. It was in death. They were afraid of those things. But when they stand in front of a God who controls all of the circumstances, their fear is no longer misplaced. It is reoriented and redirected back to its proper object. Oh. Fear isn't bad. It's just misplaced. Yeah, that's so good. I'm going to have to like train my tongue because I still, I just want to think of it as bad or good, you know? No, but don't, we don't think about it as bad because if it's an emotion that we have, then God designed us to have that emotion. Right. We don't have any emotion that God didn't have a way for us to have in some form or fashion. Right. Now, our emotions are corrupted by the fall and sin and, and those kinds of things. But at the same time, God designed us to be fearful. It, we are creatures, after all. Just like a, a little bird would tremble at my presence if I was able to pick it up, thinking that I was about to eat it. I am reminded when I am afraid of something that I am not God. Right. I don't command really anything. And... I'm mortal. I can die. I can be hurt. I think God gave us the emotion of fear because he's the only one worthy of it. Mm. Our, our faith tends to waver a lot of the time because our fear tends to reveal mm -hmm. uh, what we believe about what's scaring us and how that, whatever it is that's scaring us, we kind of believe that that's more powerful than the God that we know. Right. We forget. Our fear is misplaced. And when it's misplaced, it leads us to go run and do things and cling to things and find salvation in things that really don't save. So when might we see that we have placed our fears in our circumstances or that we are fearing our circumstances more than fearing the Lord? I think the only distinction is is theological. It's it's what we believe. Hmm. Who do you believe is the most powerful? Not just in your life, not just in your circumstance, but period. 
if you really believe that God is who he says he is, that he is the author of life, that he commands all things and in him all things hold together, then you'll say, you'll say what Psalm 118.6 says, the Lord is for me, I will not fear, what can man do to me? Yes, yes. Psalm 56, Psalm 56 says the same thing. But the distinction between between those two things really, I mean, it's the same emotion. My fear causes me to revere God and respect him. It also causes me to tremble before him yeah. because he can destroy me. And the distinction is I am making a choice about who is worthy of my fear. I can give it to anyone or anything. But who will I give it to is a statement about what I believe about what I give it to. If I'm going to be afraid and tremble in front of something, then that means I'm going to treat that thing as some sort of ultimate fear that nothing else is bigger than. Mm. Because otherwise, if I think about it with God as everything, a lot of times, I don't mean to minimize this, but a lot of times if if my fear is placed in God, a lot of the other things that I am afraid of when my fear is misplaced they're like cockroaches. I can just step on them because hmm. I, Jesus is asleep in the boat with me. Yeah. You know, the one who's bigger than the wind and the waves and stronger and more powerful and commands all things. What can man do to me? What can my circumstances do to me? If he's with me and I'm in him and I'm his child, like there's, there's nothing outside of nothing can happen. That's uh, against his will in that way. So the distinction I think is one of belief uh, not so much circumstance. What is that quote that you always say, like, show me your fears and I'll show you what you worship? Yeah, totally. So, you know, a lot of people will talk about, well, fear is bad. I, you know, I have some really unhealthy fears and I, I just need to get to the root of them and figure them out. And I generally say, look, God's designed us to be fearful. The only time when our fears are unhealthy is when our fears are misplaced. And like I said before, when my fear is misplaced, then that means I'm believing something about the power or the ability of the thing that I'm afraid of instead of God that's leading me to grasp for something as a savior. Yeah. I don't mean to put a Jesus juke on you here, but I'm sure if the bear breaks into your closet right now, your first instinct isn't going to be to drop to your knees and pray for salvation. Hmm. But that's what Daniel does. When he's mm. in the den with the lions, when he's in the furnace, he prays. Yeah. That's his first and only first option. First line of defense. Yeah. Right. But, and I don't mean to trivial, I'm not saying that you shouldn't, right. you know, grab a Bowie knife and stab the bear, you know, like that's because that would be cool. <laughs> and people would write books about I'm thinking you. thinking I would be on my knees because I've got no alternatives. <laughs> no, that bear would be on its knees and you know it. Come on. <laughs> no, but it's just that kind of idea, like, what do we believe is the most powerful thing in my life? And so the hard part about the reality of looking at our fears this way means that when I'm afraid of something other than God and I am turning to something other than God to solve the problem of that fear in my life, to get rid of that emotion in my life, then that means I am saying something about the salvific power of that thing in my life. And if I do that enough times or if I, Am I, if I'm, my life is filled with fears and I'm constantly reaching for anything, it can be clothing, it can be money, it can mm-hmm. be friendships. I mean, anything can be this way, but 
if I continue to reach for those things to save me from my fears, then my fear has revealed an idol in my life. So I'd always tell the Ford students, show me your fears and I'll show you your idols. Mm-hmm. But the flip of that is also true. Show me your fears and I'll show you Jesus, the better, sa- the better savior than whatever it is you're trusting in. Yeah. You know, I hear commonly that we should like fear ourselves, like often praying God would save us from ourselves. And, mm. and sometimes I wonder for myself, Matt, if I have like, maybe my fear of myself is elevated. Like mm. it's a form of pride or something because I'm like, man, maybe I trust that I'm too much of my own little G God. And that's why I'm so scared of any move I make. What am I, I'm processing. <laughs> no, that's a great point. I think Hunter, a lot of us, whether it's, you know, just a matter of second guessing ourselves or for some of us, and I know you're not this way, I'm you know, super controlling and really want thing, all things to go my way. I have a hard time not knowing what to do when things go that way. That causes me fear sometimes, insecurity sometimes. And I feel like being afraid of ourselves is just another iteration of uh, a misplaced fear. Yeah. That will lead you to a misplaced faith ultimately because if now so probably what will happen is if you're afraid of your own judgment or if you're afraid of your own ability to make decisions or if you're afraid of your own you know self-worth or anything you're going to start to look for things outside of you that will save you from that fear because you feel like if i trust myself then something's going to go wrong i'm not going to do it right this isn't going to work i'm going to get in trouble whatever and so you you start to cling to little things. They're itty bitty. You wouldn't think of them as idols. You wouldn't say that you bow down to them or that you burn incense in front of them. They're mm-hmm. not that way. But they're things that you, and they're quick. They're momentary, quick, knee-jerk reaction things that you turn to when you get scared. And that can be, maybe you're really good at getting other people to like you. And maybe you're really good at uh, trying to help people out when they're in trouble and that makes you feel good about your decision making when you see that other people are telling you that you did something right you're always trying to get people to tell you and affirm in you things that you aren't secure about in yourself and then ultimately at the end of the day that just leads to fear of man and a misplaced fear and a misplaced faith and that's that's idolatry all the way so when do you know that you're doing this? Like, is it when you get the cold sweats when somebody sends you like a text that isn't just agreeable with everything about you? How do you know when you are misplacing your belief and what kind of responses might you see yourself having that might indicate that you are, you know, misplacing your belief? That's a great question. I would classify this in two ways. There's going to be times when you know it and there's going to be times when you don't. In the times when you don't, the only way you'll ever know is if someone, one of your friends, has the courage to tell you. Yes. We are just about to have a whole episode on confession and conflict, so stay tuned. Mm. Yes. <laughs> it's so, like, it's so necessary. Mm-hmm. And I don't, it doesn't necessarily have to come in the form of a rebuke or, or even, a, right. a, even any kind of conflict as much as it's a, hey, Hunter, you know, you seem like you're really afraid of this. Let's talk. Hmm. Are you okay? I mean, is, is something is something got you sideways about this? And your friend will be the best person to come alongside you and remind you that God uh, designed us to fear him. And at the beginning of all wisdom, 
the beginning of knowing what to do in a situation, if you're afraid of you know, what you should do next, the fear of God is the beginning of that decision. And the fear of God is ultimately something where you tremble before him, knowing that he could end your life at a moment's notice, but you also you fear him because he is good and he commands things and he is actually commanding things for your good. Mm. And that he can do that at your request. Mm. And so that's another kind of fear that, that we have before God. And in those moments, your friend can remind you of that and help you, you know, dissect where you've misplaced your fear and what you're turning to for salvation instead of Jesus. And, you know, husbands can do this for wives and wives can do this for husbands. Yes. It's really important. It can be such a challenge, but such a sweet moment and opportunity just to really just repent and to look to the Lord together. And mm-hmm. I just, I, we talk about this so much on the podcast, Matt, but this idea of like standing under the cross of Christ, like Bonhoeffer describes mm-hmm. in Life Together, where mm-hmm. you're just collectively in need of grace. So the mm-hmm. way in which you communicate is so much more grace filled <laughs> as a result. You know, you're That's right. acknowledging how at the same time in which you're talking with your brother or your sister about their need of grace, you're claiming it for yourself as well, because <laughs> where would you be without it? No, that's well said. And I think that, you know, when we meet each other as as both persons in need of yes. the message of salvation, we understand each other's fears. We don't look down on each other when we experience fear. We don't, we can, we can look at someone square in the eyes and say, I'm afraid. I'll remember, you know, I'll be a little bit vulnerable. I didn't ask Darcy's permission to tell this story, but I don't think she would mind me saying it. Uh, I remember at one point early on in our marriage, I, I looked at her and there's some stuff going on with our house and uh, a few other things. And I just looked at her and said, sweetie, I'm, I'm really scared right now. I don't know what to do. And um, I feel like I'm supposed to be the one that's, you know, protecting and providing for you. And I'm, I'm kind of at a loss right now. So I'm scared. And, you know, I think that that was one of the more intimate moments of our marriage. Wow. And, um, you know, her encouragement to me in those moments meant the world to me and her support. But I think also it was just a, a reminder to me that we're all in this together. And just because God is worthy of our fear mm-hmm. doesn't mean that our fears are automatically going to be of God all the time. We're going to misplace our fear. It's yeah. going to happen. God doesn't condemn us for that but you'll notice he's always redirecting us from that Mm, come back come back come back so for the disciples he's saying you of little faith why are you afraid that's what he says to the disciples in the boat he equates fear and faith as synonyms almost because again where we place our fear is also what we believe is the most powerful thing that will save us from that fear. So at the end of the day, Jesus doesn't condemn us or look down on us because we're afraid. Instead, he beckons to us saying, why are you afraid of my creation? Be afraid of the creator instead, and you will get to enjoy the creation the way I intended for it to be enjoyed. Life is crazy sometimes, and finding time to sit down and read the Bible can be difficult. That is why I love Dwell. When I can't find time to read the Bible, I can listen to it. The voices reading the Bible are soothing, 
they're not your normal narrators. Plus, you can choose calming background music and adjust the pace of the narrator's voice to get things just right. Dwell's newest release is called Dwell Daily, a fresh, thoughtfully crafted devotional that immerses you in the word, allowing you to pray it, meditate on it, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your engagement with the Bible this year, Dwell Daily is worth checking out. I cannot recommend Dwell enough to help you orient your mind to the life-giving Word of God throughout your day. Go to dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen for your 25% discount to subscribe and spend time in God's Word. Now, back to my conversation with Matt. I just think so many of us, oh, myself included, I'm, I, you know, you just spend so much of your life with this misplaced fear. Like, there's so many times, Matt, when Brooks is gone, you know, because he's in the military. Mm-hmm. He's gone a lot. And I can say that I've spent nights, like, <laughs> the, you know, just trying to go through all the weapons in our house and figure out, all right, am I mm-hmm. ready? Am I equipped for this situation? You know, and it's just yeah. stolen my whole evening just really functioning in fear. What would it look like for us to just acknowledge the fear, even if it's real, like a perceived threat, you know, like Mm -hmm. maybe I heard the dog barking downstairs and I'm like, okay, let's go. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But then still walk forward, freely trusting the Lord in that moment. Yeah, that's great. And I realized I never got to the, this is the the part when you are realizing your fears. Uh, I never got to the answer to that question in the last the last couple of ones you asked me, and this is this is a I think a, a really good question because there are a lot of times when we are aware of the things that are causing us fear, and for me, the way that I think about it, the way that I go through this myself when I'm afraid of things, is that since fear is an issue of belief, not an issue of circumstance, then. If I'm afraid of something that's that's not God or that I'm reaching for something in my fear that's not God, it's more an issue of repentance. Hmm. So that doesn't mean I have to drop to my knees and say, oh, forgive me, Jesus, I'm a sinner. You know, I'm, I'm not <laughs> I, I don't necessarily mean that. that repentance as a biblical term means yeah. a returning. Yeah. Come come back. Return replace your fear in its proper object, what it was designed to be placed in rather than being afraid of something that the creator created, fear the creator instead. And so my, um, my fears, when I see them, I have to go, I have to, I have to take myself aside and go, Matt, you're, you're afraid of something that's a created thing. You know, the creator, he's in the boat with you. He's not even in the boat. He's his spirit resides within you for crying out loud. Yes. What's the worst that can happen that's outside of his will that's not and that's not also uh for your good. Yeah. He's not trying he's not out to get you. You're his child. He loves you and he gives you everything that you need for life and godliness. So it's it's a forgetfulness that leads me to a misplaced faith and if I don't take myself aside and remind myself of what I already know to be true, what I already believe to be true, but I've just forgotten. That's when I'll wander off and do strange and neurotic 
things <laughs> turn into george costanza on seinfeld that's what happens <laughs> <laughs> i'm telling you man i i could say th- some things about myself but i probably shouldn't so i won't but when you're describing this i'm like this is what it means to walk in freedom that's not a, a point that's far off like you you mentioned the word freedom and it's interesting i don't think that freedom is opposed to fear yeah if anything fear of god gives us freedom to live life the way he designed life to be lived. Ironically, it's when we don't place our fear in God that we wander off on our own, we make our own way, we're right in our own eyes, and we end up being neurotic and self-absorbed. And And bondage. In bondage to anxiety and fear. And Mm -hmm. ironically, we're right back where we started. Yes. We remain fearful. And we remain uh, trapped. And so I think actually, if our fear is in the Lord, like Philippians 2.12 talks about, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Yeah. If our salvation is, is with fear and trembling, then that means our fear and trembling is in God, not in man or circumstances. And as a result, I can actually grow up in my salvation because my fear and my faith are rightly oriented in God. If I, if I'm afraid of what other people think about me, if I'm afraid that I'm not going to make my next paycheck, if I'm afraid that my wife is going to leave me, if I'm afraid that I'm going to lose my job, trying to control that, which is outside of my control Mm -hmm. with something that isn't God is going to leave me in Egypt, making bricks without straw. You're saying that, and I was just thinking that that is a lifetime, you know, and that was that was what it was for the Israelites. Four hundred thirty years, yeah, four hundred and thirty years in captivity in Egypt, and then forty years of wandering to get Egypt out of them. Yes. Okay. So, how do we cultivate a fear in the Lord? That's a good question. <laughs> you should probably ask somebody that knows more about that. <laughs> <laughs> I talk a good talk, Hunter. Uh, at the end of the day, though, I, I, you know, my fears are misplaced just as often as yours are. How do you cultivate a fear of the Lord? Short answer, I would say, with others. Hmm. I, I don't think when I'm by myself and I realize that I'm afraid, at least this is the way I handle it as a man. I don't know if there's differences between men and women on fear, but the way I handle it as a man, I try to buck up. I try to pretend that I'm not afraid or mm-hmm. put that I'm not afraid um, because that's what men are supposed to do. But on the inside, I'm running crazy and I'm reaching for things that I shouldn't be reaching for that aren't Jesus. Mm-hmm. And as a result, I don't take time to cultivate. So I think probably when I confess to other people that I'm afraid of something, those have been the times when mm-hmm. I have been that my fear is out of place and honestly in confessing that fear it's robbed of its potency as well because the jesus and someone else in that moment they're not afraid they're fine they're they're okay and they can speak into my life the same way that jesus can speak to the wind and the waves and remove the circumstantial thing that's blinded me from seeing the one whom I truly should have been afraid of in the first place. I would say cultivating fear first starts with others. And then 
requires us to remember. Mm-hmm. Practicing a discipline of remembering who God is, what we believe about his power, what we believe about the fact of that he not, he's not just powerful. It's not just that he can calm the wind and the waves. It's that he also wants to. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily mean he will all the time, because I think God also wants to use things that cause us fear to shape and mold us so that our fears are redirected back to him. I think that's what he's doing in Mark 4 with the disciples. He's retraining their fears. You know, if you think about it, what, a, what an interesting kind of contrast. So when you think about Mark 4, Jesus is asleep. The disciples are awake. Huh. The wind and the waves and the circumstances are raging and the disciples are awake saying, Jesus, don't you even care? Aren't you even going to do anything? And in those moments, you're wondering, when circumstances rage, can God handle this? Does he care to? I mean, is he just going to let me fry? We're questioning God's good. Uh-huh. But then you come and, you know, I don't know when you'll air this episode, but it's it's Holy Week. We're, we're about to celebrate yeah. Easter, Good Friday, and we're remembering that Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and the roles are reversed. Hmm. Jesus is awake, but the disciples are asleep. They can't stay awake. He begs them to stay awake with him, but they can't even for an hour. And Jesus is awake, and, it's, and the text says that he is filled with great distress and fear. Wow. And he's not afraid of the cross. He's afraid of God and his wrath. His fear is rightly oriented in God. And that's why Jesus is not asleep in that moment. And so, like, when I remember that and go, wow, how much of my life am I up in the boat freaking out about something that for Jesus is like a cockroach? Mm. When I really should be with Jesus in the garden going, Yes, I'll stay awake with you because you're about to face the wrath of God, the creator of all things for this, every sin that's ever been committed. That reminds me that my fear belongs to one and to one only, just like my faith does. That's a really great mental picture for me, Matt, when I am recognizing, oh, I'm like a frantic disciple in the boat right now. I totally resonate with those guys. Mm-hmm. And then to just take that shift and walk over to the Garden of Gethsemane, like mentally, and get down on my knees and fear the Lord, fear God. Yeah. yeah. We've actually received quite a few messages from women who are fearing God, maybe in like an unhealthy way. They've shared that they're afraid of getting close to God because they're afraid that he's going to allow something bad to happen to them, like as a means by which to draw them nearer to himself. What would you say to somebody who's actually afraid of God? You know, that's an honest question. I think it's probably one that more of us have than would be ready and willing to admit. Um, But as I've encountered this question, there are usually two types of people who are asking. Uh, The first type tends to be the people who are afraid that if they give their lives to God, that God's going to ask them to do something really, really hard or uh, something they just don't want to do. Yeah. Uh, And the second type of person asking this question is generally someone who's afraid that closeness with God can't really come without something bad happening as well. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a camp that many of our girls fall into because they hear stories about other women who are growing close to the Lord as a result of their heartache and struggle. So to the first group, I would say, you know, if 
if you're afraid that if you give your life to God, he's going to ask you to do something hard or that you don't want to do, then that kind of fear tells me that you're really wanting God to act in a particular and a predictable way. Hmm. But you also know that you can't make him do what you want. So you're experiencing fear because God's calling you forward into the unknown where only he is God and you can't be. Right, right. I think this is a normal like phase or stage of growth for our faith. Sure. As we're following Christ. Mm-hmm. As we mature in our faith, we learn that even if God calls us into something that challenges us or even makes us afraid, he never asks us to walk into it alone. He's always with us. He doesn't forsake us. He's with us every step of the way. And he gives us what we need to do what he's called us to do. And if we trust him that far, our faith never has to have that kind of worry or fear again. Right. I think, you know, you can look up the biblical character of Joshua. Mm-hmm. It's a great example uh, of, that, um, of that reality. To the second group of people, um, instead of answering their question, what do I do if I'm afraid of God that, you know, something's bad's going to happen to me because I'm, I'm, I'm getting closer with God. Uh, the second group of people, I would, I would ask them a question instead of give them an answer. And the question I would ask them is, would you describe your relationship with your dad for me? Hmm. I know that seems strange, but a lot of times our picture of God tends to mimic the relationship we've had or currently have with our fathers, our earthly fathers. Hmm. Yeah, that's so true. And too many children are raised by dads who parent their children in a way that doesn't lead them towards emotional freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, the kids have to constantly live their lives waiting for the boom to fall, you know, so to speak. You know, is daddy going to get mad if I, if I do this? Or is he going to come home drunk tonight? Or is he going to disappear again? Or is he going to say mean things to me? Yeah, gosh. Kids that are raised in that kind of a home... Um, they have a daddy who is sometimes nice and sometimes mean, and they spend the better part of their lives learning his triggers so that they never have to encounter the things that they don't like. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, they don't experience love from their fathers as much as they experience fear. Yeah. And so I would say that that tends to be the reason or one of the main reasons why People have a, a fear of something bad happening with a, an authority figure in their life because uh, it tends to mimic their relationship with their earthly fathers. You know, in Matthew 7, it says, um, What man among you is there that when his son asks for a loaf of bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, what dad is going to give him a snake? You know, and he says, if, if you... As a, as a sinful person being evil, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, even though you're, you know, a sinner, mm-hmm. how much more will your, will your heavenly father, who isn't a sinner and who isn't evil, give what's good to those who ask him? Yeah. And so I tend to, to tell the second group, look, God isn't your earthly father and your earthly father isn't God. Right. God is a God who wants to give good gifts to his children because he loves them. 
Um, he loves them not because of what they do, um, not because they have their act together or because they didn't set them off. He loves them because they're his children, and that's all. Yeah. This is this is one of those areas, too, where, you know, if this is persisting and something that really is, is hard to overcome, I, I would say this is probably one of those areas where um, professional counseling would be would be helpful. Yeah, that's a really good point. And we're going to get to your other resources soon. My mind is blown per usual. Is there anything you'd like to add before we move on to the three questions that I ask every second guest of which you are the first? <laughs> well, um, I, the only thing I would add a lot of times when you talk about fears, sometimes people will talk about like, how do I know if what I'm afraid of is legit? Like, is it the Holy spirit, you know, yeah, telling yeah. me not to move forward or am, am I just yes. afraid of something and I, and I shouldn't go and we can kind of trip ourselves up that way. I resonate with that. That happens to me a lot of the time. I think though, when I think about it, when you're afraid of something that isn't God or that your faith is reaching for something that isn't God to save you from your fear, generally in those moments, you don't want to move forward. Hmm. Um, you won't move forward when you should. This is, a, for example, it's like, um, you know, the 10 spies that didn't think that they should take the land yeah. or the tribe of Dan that decided not to fight the Philistines and conquer the land like Joshua told them to be strong and courageous. Do not fear the Lord. Your God is with you, you know, and they didn't. So they should have moved forward. Um, they knew they were supposed to move forward and they wanted to move forward, but they chose not to. Those are going to be the times when you're giving way to fear hmm. and the opposite, like, when the Holy Spirit is is causing you to hesitate or, you know, giving you a check in your spirit or something like that, that's a situation where you're wanting to move forward. You don't want to stop. You want to make progress. You you want to proceed, but hmm. the doors keep closing. The opportunities don't line up and it seems impossible for you to move forward. Just like Paul in you know, in his second journey, he kept trying to get to Ephesus, trying to get to Ephesus, trying to get to Ephesus. But the Lord took him a long way up into Macedonia and, and down to Corinth before he finally came to Ephesus. So I think that's probably another way of thinking that's about it. That's incredibly people. helpful. Yeah. So that's why I've wanted to quit this podcast like 10 times. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, again, Hunter, like, like, and I, I hesitate to, I don't want to probe you on, in, you know, in front of all your entire audience, but I think that, I think that's a great example. You know, you're running a podcast that look, Thousands of people are listening to you. You have a reputation. You're trying to keep the listener. Like, I can't imagine the fears that you face. You know, what if I, what if I put out an episode that's a dud? What if people don't like it? What if, what if, you know? Yeah, I'm fine with the duds. It's just like, I don't want to lead anybody astray. You know, oh, I mean, to be real. Yeah, even that, like, what if you have some crazy guy on your podcast to talk about fear and he leads them all off a cliff, you know? <laughs> That's even worse. <laughs> How can you be responsible? Like those kinds of things, I think those are healthy things and going, okay, when I remember to orient my fear in God, I can make objective decisions and I can tell somebody, you know what, I don't think you should, you should, you should do this. I don't think you should be on our podcast or like, you know what, I want you to talk about this. I know it's a hard topic, but I believe it's necessary. I think we need to push forward. And if God doesn't want you to push forward, you'll have a scheduling conflict or, you know, the person gets laryngitis and they can't talk or whatever. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, this is incredibly helpful. I know so many of the listeners will resonate with everything that you said. So I appreciate so. it. Thank you so much. I'm glad that no cockroaches have appeared in my <laughs> closet while we're chatting. Um, but Matt, I was thinking as I was preparing for this interview that you're the first 
second guest I've ever had. So I can't ask you the same questions because that would just be boring, right? Yeah, that's not fun. (laughs) But there is one because this is a different topic that I have to ask again, which is, do you have any resources? Like if we want to grow in this area, I usually ask people for their top three. Okay. Um, as much of a book nerd as I am, and I, I, I kind of did this to you the first time, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to not recommend any books. Um, <laughs> Perfect. and I, I'm sure your listeners were really upset with me for that, but I'm going to say the three things, the three, the three resources, I guess you said that would be the most valuable for this. Number one, find a friend who will help you remember some of these things when you're afraid of something better yet, listen to this podcast with one of your friends and make a pact and say, Hey, when I'm afraid of something, can I come to you? Hmm. Yes. When you're afraid of something, will you come to me? Yeah. Great. Let's, that, that'll be awesome. That'll be better than any book you could possibly buy on the subject. Totally. Confess your fears to your friend. Allow that conversation to bring to light where your fear is misplaced, how to place it back in the Lord. Let them remind you like that's, that's, that's number one. Number two. And I, I feel like this needs to be said, especially with this one with the topic of fear that if, if your time with your friend isn't effective, like if you continue to struggle with anxiety at a very deep, consistent level, right? then you need to find a professional counselor who is a believer in Jesus, who can help you with your struggles in the way, in a, in a way that your friends can't. Mm-hmm. If that's an issue, I mean, there, there are things that are, you know, um, legitimate physiological things that can cause us, you know, fear like things with our brain and our bodies and our hormones and all those kinds of things that are factors that we need help with. And then also sometimes we have some really deep seated things in our lives that have been present for decades that, um, that a friend might not know how to help us through. And I, I really want to recommend if we're talking about resources, please don't read a book when you could go see a professional if yeah. you're having having really, um, difficult issues. And then if, if you want, um, you know, I'll actually give you something to read my, I, I did last year or the year before last, I preached three sermons on the topic of fear for, uh, my church back in Tyler. Oh, cool. Uh, and I've posted, they're on my blog. Okay. Um, we'll link Matthew, to those. Yeah. It's just MatthewDLance.com. And um, there, it's just a three-part series on fear. And that was back when some of the police shootings were happening and, mm. um, we talked about that and I talk about Mark chapter four at length in that sermon and then a couple other texts in the following sermon. So that maybe a little bit more in-depth treatment of this topic awesome. um, from, my, from my perspective that they could go and look up. I'm excited to check that out. That is good stuff. I was just like listening to you talk and then also simultaneously listening to artillery fire in the background at my house. And I'm thinking, you know, if somebody didn't know what was going on right here, they would be scared. <laughs> they would be experiencing fear. But we're on a military installation. That's the army life, right? <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, another question that I'd love to hear the answer to is what is something that you wish you could tell 25-year-old Matt, because I think the mm. median age for my listeners is somewhere between the age of 25 to 28. Mm. Something I would tell myself at 25. A piece of advice, whatever. There's so much. Um, I, I, let's, do, let's go with this one. I would, say, I would say to myself, Matt, if you're going to work hard at something in your spiritual life, work hard at trusting God instead of controlling your circumstances. Mm. I need that word. Uh, I worked a lot harder at controlling things and people than I did at um, believing that God can and God cares about me. 
Man, yeah. I mean, and that can look really spiritual, like the controlling of circumstances, right? I'm imagining that probably looked very spiritual for you. Oh, yeah. Managing perceptions for others, uh, trying to make sure that um, the way that people thought about me was what I wanted them to think. Yeah. We didn't really have social media back then, so this was back before electricity, I guess. But um, (laughs) uh, there wasn't a lot of that kind of uh, broadcast um, insecurity. It would really happen, you know, really more face to face. And it was just as real, just the same, just the same struggle. You want, you want people to, to do what you want them to do and you want people to think what you want them to think. And, um, I think that just rages all the more now. Totally. With all the issues, not just my, not just insecurities, but you know, all the issues. Oh my gosh. Because you're managing both what people are seeing in person or what they're experiencing in person and this whole other, I feel like online life a lot of times. Yeah. We're trying, we're ultimately what all this is, is we're trying to be, you know, we're trying to be God of other people and other things instead of trusting God himself. And Mm -hmm. that we just forget our place. Yeah. That's a good word. So what was your encouragement? Let's, let's reiterate that one more time after that. If you're going to work hard at something in your spiritual life, work hard at trusting God instead of controlling your circumstances. Or working really hard on Instagram posts. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's for me. (laughs) Right. That's for all of us. Oh, well, Matt, it has just been so incredibly rich and such a blessing for both Brooks and me to know you on our journeys and to have watched you in your journey, I guess, over how long has it been? Like almost, I don't know, six years, eight years? Yeah, something like that. Maybe even longer if you count like my days sitting in your Bible study at Mm -hmm. Pine Cove camps. But I would love to hear what it is that you're looking forward to on your journey as you're continuing in it on your Mm -hmm. journey to glorify God? Oh, that's kind of you to ask. Um, I would say like uh, most immediately, I'm, you, you know that I've led trips to Israel in the past. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm leading a trip to Turkey and Greece in May. And I'm very excited about that. I'm it's been so a couple jealous. years since we've done that one. And it's, I'm so excited about going back. So that's, that's like on the immediate horizon. I would think, but on the long-term horizon, I'm really excited, you know, just in the few weeks that I've been uh, associate pastor at our West Campus. I'm really looking forward to getting to know more of the people at our campus and learning how I can come alongside them and uh, help them uh, follow Jesus in the everyday and um, kind of be, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, like if they're a boxer in the ring, I'm kind of like the coach in the corner, you know, massaging their shoulders, going, all right, stay to the right, watch out for the jab. <laughs> you know, he's going to come at you this way. You know, and I just, I just would, I, I want that process to happen so fast, and I realize that uh, that's not going to happen quickly. So, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to the moment when, when I'm, I'm able to do that for, for the congregation. But I realize that's going to take some patience, and I would say also too, I would feel, I feel the same way about my kids. And we're a very cute age right now, so everybody, you know, I have a almost ten year old. Um, an almost seven-year-old and an almost four-year-old. So it's a very cute stage for all of them, but also I see very kind of mini adult things starting to emerge in each of them. And, um, you know, it's just, it, it's so exciting. I, I can't, I can't wait to, 
to see what they're going to be like when they when they grow up. I'm not that I don't like where we are now. I, totally. Tell my wife the other day, I was like, "Can I keep him this way?" I was talking about our three year old. Like, can I keep him just like this? I don't want him to Aww. so adorable. But uh, <laughs> everybody says that about their three year old, right? Ooh, um, I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, I I'm really excited about. Uh, the men that my boys are going to become and the woman my, yeah. my daughter's becoming and, and how I can be a part of that and how I can help them with their fears. And we're, you know, we're walking through this right now with our daughter and the clothes that she wears to school. She's afraid of mm-hmm. what people are going to say about her. And so we're trying to talk her through these things and it's hard. It's, it's not easy to believe some of these things. It's way easier to believe what other people say and think about you. And so I'm excited to see, um, uh, who they become as a result of uh, um, our being in their lives. Well, I'm so thankful for the way in which God has used you in my life to help me become who he has created me to be. And um, man, I'm jealous of your kids. I'm jealous of all the people in your congregation that get to have you massaging the shoulders and telling them which way to jab. So Matt, thank you for getting to do that with us for an hour on the Journey Women podcast today. It's just been such a joy. It's always a delight to have you on. Oh, likewise, Hunter. You're so kind. And Darcy and I treasure your friendship. We love you and Brooks and your family. We're so grateful for your ministry and the way that your friendship um, as a couple has encouraged us. We treasure the time we get with you guys and look forward, always look forward to the next time. I know. Let's, let's make it soon. Deal. That sounds good to me. Man, I hope that you guys found my conversation with Matt as thought-provoking as I did. As always, you can find the links and noteworthy quotes listed under the show notes on our website, journeywomenpodcast.com. To continue this discussion on the topic of fear with us throughout the week, hop over to at journeywomenpodcast on Facebook and Instagram. You'll also want to be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you can catch next week's episode on freedom. Hey, if you are enjoying these conversations, I know I mention this every week, but it's that important. We would love it if you would head over to iTunes and leave us a rating or review. This just helps get journey women into the hands of other women on their journeys to glorify God. Thank you guys so much for allowing us to journey alongside y'all. We can't wait to see you here next Monday. Have a great week.